Well, welcome to episode number 48. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm Dan Edwards, and this is A Greater Dayton, powered by the Dayton Business Journal. Here we focus on our unsung hometown heroes who inspire, entertain, and inform us all, making it A Greater Dayton. And I'm pleased to announce my guests today are Mike Parks, President and CEO of the Dayton Foundation, as well as Michelle Lovely, Vice President of Development and Donor Services. Before we talk to them, let's let you know our sponsors today certainly appreciate their support. Park and Go Airport Parking, the most convenient option for Dayton International Airport Parking just outside the gates. Located in Vandalia, easy to find at 1140 West National Road next to Airport Toyota. Just four minutes from the terminal by shuttle, providing fast, free, 24-hour shuttle service to the airport. It's clean, it's a well-lit facility, have friendly workers, drivers, techs, everybody cares about you and your car, and customers love Park and Go and that very nice touch they give you, and I'm one of them. So I urge you, before you fly, make sure you check out Park and Go, Dayton International Airport Parking on West National Road in Vandalia. And a Greater Dayton, also sponsored by Thrush & Son Home Improvement. Since 1960, Thrush & Son has grown to become one of the most trusted names for home improvements in the Greater Dayton area. You know, in an industry where 94% of contractors close their doors within 10 years, Thrush & Son has stood the test of time for three generations. Corey and Michelle and Alan now keeping things uh, together. As an award-winning GAF President's Club roofing contractor, you know, most roofing projects can be started within a week and completed within a day or two. And if your home has seen better days, maybe it's time to freshen up that roof or you know, siding or windows or whatever. See why over 30,000 homeowners have chosen to trust in Thrush. And another organization that you can trust in is the Dayton Foundation, celebrating 100 years of philanthropy in 2021. In Dayton, Ohio, of course, the Regional Community Foundation manages donors' charitable funds, advances charitable giving, and provides leadership to meet changing community needs. And Michelle and Mike, welcome back to A Greater Dayton. And my, haven't those needs changed over the last couple of years? Yeah, it's been an exciting time, and we're so fortunate to live in such a generous community. You know, the foundation was founded in 1921 uh, by the Patterson family, and uh, we'll get into that story a little more. But over the last 100 years, there's now over 4,000 individuals families, businesses, organizations that have stepped forward to say, I want to help my neighbor to set up a fund at the foundation for whatever their charitable interest is. And we're just so honored and pleased to, to, to uh, continue that legacy to help those families that want to help others. Yeah. So um, I think if I look at since I've been here, the things that have changed, just we've had one um, tragedy after the other, I feel like. And so just um, seeing the community uh, come together for those, I don't think... Um, any of us realize that there would be one after the other after the other. So um, I think how we've changed, we've been ready and able to adapt to, you know, processing a lot of gifts from all of our great donors. So Yeah, yeah. you know, oftentimes uh, we share with people that you don't give to the Dayton Foundation, you give through the Dayton Foundation, and it's what's ever in your heart. And uh, as Michelle mentioned, um, there, the, that that the last uh, two years has been a difficult time for our community, hasn't it, Dan? And the mm -hmm. uh, first nearly, geez, almost exactly two years ago, the 15 tornadoes that ripped through our region, and then just 90 days later, the uh, terrible, terrible tragedy in the Oregon District, and then last year, the pandemic. 
And um, the response to for people to help other Daytonians uh, was just absolutely unbelievable. And time and time again, people stepped forward. It's been that way throughout the Foundation's 100-year history, all the way back to 1921. And um, John Patterson, as I mentioned, he and his family were the, were the founders. And um, 1921, the first community foundation, Dan, in the country was just up the street in Cleveland and six or seven years ahead of us. So today there's about 800 community foundations around the country. And uh, we were number 18, number 18. And uh, although each community is different, the, the purpose of community foundation is the same. You know, rather than a one you can have a... A company that has a foundation right and you can have a family that has a foundation but rather than one family or one company it's a place where anybody of whatever means they have significant or more modest can come together and say I want to give back I want to help my neighbor and uh, we're so uh, fortunate as staff Michelle and I each day get to get up and uh, we always say we work with people every day that want to make a difference mm -hmm. and what a fortunate position to be in how much have we has been dispersed over over the years the 100 years so we um actually it was really cool because uh the year of our hundredth we just uh reached the our, the billion dollar mark so billion you, yeah one billion dollars that's so, incredible yeah when you think about that that it happened in our hundredth year i think that's pretty cool too oh, well you're so, supposed to say we, we planned it that we way. planned it that way right <laughs> <laughs> some People, things we, just fall into the place don't they <laughs> yes exactly so um, to me, I thought that was just a really neat number to be oh, able to yeah. throw out there. Oh, so. it's huge. And so we may not be the largest, but per capita, we're one of the most generous foundations in America. Yeah, when you look across the United States, um, the Dayton Foundation, um, there's about um, 850 or more community foundations around the country. And so we're one of those. Um, but when you look at those foundations and their size, they range, um, obviously, from a lot to a little. And we're usually um, right somewhere in the top 40, um, at, you know, in all of the categories, but top 20, some in asset size. Uh, usually in the number of funds, when you look at that, we're way up at the top um, one, two, you know, very, very, you know, very high because of um, a product that we have called the charitable checking account. So yeah. when Mike mentioned that anyone can be a donor, that's a product that because it has no minimum balance, um, anyone of any size can can have that fund. And so it really, we have a ton of those. And you have different ways to engage into starting a foundation, like you say, from one person to you know, 100. So what Michelle's uh, job is each and every day is to not tell people what to do, but to listen to what's in their heart and to help figure out the right way in which to do that. Now, as a community, um, you know, over the last uh, two years when we had the three tragedy funds, you know, the outpouring of people, not necessarily to set up a fund, but to donate into a fund that was already established, whether it was for the tornadoes, for the shooting victims, or for those impacted by COVID-19. And the response, Dan, was just, it's just remarkable. So uh, there, there were over 8,000 gifts, 8,000 people, businesses, organizations stepped forward to make gifts into those funds. Now, what's interesting is so many uh, organizations, businesses did fundraisers, and they may have, a, they may have had a concert or they may have sold t-shirts. Well, they put all those proceeds together and they walked in and they handed Michelle one check. So we counted that as one donation. But in many times there were hundreds and in some cases thousands of gifts behind that one donation. So when you say what kind of outpouring of 
care and concern over the last two years did Daytonians demonstrate. It's not eight thousands, it's tens of thousands of gifts. And you know, one is bad enough, right? I mean, that one's challenging enough, but to think, you know, just boom, 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 and Daytonians didn't stop. Mm. They just kept, they just kept stepping forward. Um, the word that I think best describes it is resilient. Mm. You know, any any one would just be terrible, but uh, um, a resilient bunch. And I think it really goes all the way back. It's in our DNA, right, Dan? I mean, it goes all the way back to the floods. Um, and throughout our history, you know, the floods, the 78 tornadoes, you know, the, it goes on and on where Daytonian said, I'll dig a little deeper and I'll help a little more. I think a lot of people, Mike and Michelle, were amazed by how nimble this organization was in getting the funds to the people that needed it desperately. How were you able to be so nimble? Well, normally when tragedies have struck in other communities and in other countries around the world, uh, the foundation, we've always provided opportunities to our donors and to the community, information on where they can give. So the tsunami that hit in Japan uh, a decade or so ago, and when there might be um, floods or hurricanes in Texas uh, over the last few years, you know, we would always say, we'd vet an organization and we'd say, here's a safe place. You know, we know this money is going to get to the right cause, whether that be the Red Cross or so many of the other wonderful organizations. Well, on the morning of um, Memorial Day two years ago, when we woke up and we learned what happened, we said, you know, we need to have the ability for our, our, our local community to step forward. And, the, you know, Dan, what I think Michelle and I have learned over the last three years, obviously the money is very important, right? There's lots of needs. You know, you think after the tornadoes, you had groups like the Red Cross and, you know, stepping in, you had immediate needs with blankets and water and housing and people were out of their homes. You know, that moved into a, um, what, what, what I'll call an individual recovery. And there were 20 organizations led by St. Vincent's, Catholic Social Services, Habitat for Humanity, Salvation Army, the list just goes on and on. Voluntarily all came together to say, let's work together on individual recovery. What about those families whose homes um, were, were damaged and they were underinsured or non-insured? How do we help those families rebuild? And uh, that's now progressed into what I'll call community recovery, um, so graciously led by the Miami Valley Regional Planning Commission in Montgomery County to think about long-term issues. You know, unfortunately, the, the impact of those tornadoes are going to be with us for six to ten years. When you think about rebuilding green spaces and trees and infrastructure, what happens to houses that were abandoned? What, how, how do you handle that? What's the tax policy around that? How do you rebuild those blocks that were abandoned? And or and you know houses on those blocks I should say that were that were abandoned. So, um, you know the the money's important, but but I think what we learned it, it isn't actually the most important thing is the opportunity to participate, and it's the only way for many of us to help is to whether that was for the tornadoes or for the shootings or the pandemic. Uh, some folks were able to be on the ground handing out water bottles or cleaning up debris, and uh, thank God for that. But for so many other, there are ways to participate was to make a gift. And so it's also part of the healing process and uh, a signal, if you will. And uh, time and time again, we hear from whether it was the victims' families in the, in the Oregon District, whether it's families that were impacted by the tornadoes or through the pandemic, they feel that love and support from the community. And uh, that signal 
from your neighbors that there's others there that have your back Mm -hmm. that are standing behind you i think we underestimated the power of that and it's a it's a it's a very very powerful way um, that we all can demonstrate and michelle mentioned some of the ways you know you'd have you know large companies donating proceeds of you know days of sales of you know esther price donated a complete day of proceeds uh from their sales you had uh you know concerts it just list went on but you also had children walking in with a dollar and each one of those is important you know each one can participate and show support and signal to those impacted that they care the old saying metal sharpens metal and our metal has certainly been tested in this community. What does it mean, I'll start with you, Michelle, what does it mean to be at the helm of the Dayton Foundation, to be part of the leadership team during this time in its history? I think it was rewarding um, personally, but I think more importantly, it was um, just so as a, as a leader to see our staff come together as well um, because there was a lot of pressure to do more work than that they have had to do number of grants and gifts and things that they were processing. And so just nobody ever complained, just people dug in, worked longer, harder, um, smarter. And um, so I think that was rewarding um, to see. And I think just being able to see that the Dayton Foundation is such, um, because I again I I'm newer to the organization and um, but to see how integral the um, Dayton Foundation was to um, being able to convene people and get um, get people on the same page and bring nonprofits together to help do um, work you know side by side I I just think all of that um, to be part of that and to see I always had heard and knew that uh, Mike that was you know one of the things that um, he's really really great at but I got to witness it firsthand and see. Um, you know, just stepping in and stepping up and, um, you know, whatever it is, we'll figure it out. So we didn't have the answers, but we, you know, (laughs) I remember the first call we were on for both, you know, several of the tragedies where we're like, okay, we don't know how to do this, but we'll figure it out. (laughs) Yeah, it was, you know, the the Oregon district shooting was a particular challenge because Dan, as you know, normally um, when we all make gifts to to organizations, they go to 501c3s, right? Public charities, or it might go to your synagogue or your church, a religious institution or a school. Well, you know, and that's how it worked with the COVID-19 pandemic, and it's how it worked with the tornado. You know, tornado relief grants were made to Catholic Social Services and to Habitat for Humanity and the Red Cross, you know, to do their work. Well, during the um, Oregon District shooting on the morning, that morning in August, uh, you know, the mayor called and said, Mike, is the foundation able to do a fund to help those that were impacted like we did for the tornadoes? And uh, as Michelle mentioned, we were huddled uh, as a staff team and we, we wanted to do it, we, but we had no idea how to do it because the money was gonna go to individuals. And normally charitable money, you can't give money directly to charitable, uh, or give charitable money directly to individuals. Mm-hmm. And Dan, the craziest thing happened, I think the mayor called at, I don't know, 7.30 or eight in the morning. And within minutes um, of that call, um, we were getting emails, texts, phone calls from other communities around the country that unfortunately had experienced a mass shooting. And the messages were all the same, something along the lines of, 
We know you don't know what to do, but we'll stand beside you and help you. Michelle, share with me, as we celebrate 100 years, how many years has this been in the planning? <laughs> oh, gosh. I, I think since I started. No. Um, <laughs> I, uh, and that's been how long? Five years, five almost. Five years, yeah. okay. Pretty close, Michelle. I think uh, we started four years ago. I really, yeah. yeah. I feel like it was, um, the. I remember when we first met in the conference room downtown and thinking, gosh, this is so far off, and it seemed like it was, you know, this is great, we're planning way far ahead, but, you know, it seemed like... we had a few distractions <laughs> along the way. <laughs> yes, and, and so, yeah, it, uh, we planned for a really long time, and our marketing department, um, I can still remember the day that Chris Smith came in and said, okay, our marketing um, team, or, you know, her advisory team, you know, we, we met and we're really thinking, what do you think about a hundred gifts to the community? And I was like, she's crazy. Like that's going to, how much coordination, how much, you know, and I, I can remember personally pushing back a little bit and being like, do we have the bandwidth to do that? Are we sure we can make that happen? How does that look? And Chris is like, we can do it. We can do it. And so she really, her team and the graduate assistants that we have from, um, uh, Wright State and UD just have been phenomenal, and uh, I don't think, you know, we could have done it without um, Don and Holly Christina, and so anyway, just the whole team, Satiria and Gina, they just keep, every time they churn out another story or another donor, it's it's always heartfelt, and they do such a great job of portraying how that gift is going to help um, the nonprofit and why that um, nonprofit is in the donor's heart, and so it really, they do a great job of um, of telling those stories so that donors can see like how they can get involved and give back. So there was, um, you know, tag on a little bit there to what Michelle said, you know, this marketing committee that we have is just phenomenal, Dan, and they kept, you know, noodling ideas and noodling ideas, and they came up with this 100 gift idea, and uh, it was brilliant. You know, there we were number 18 in the country. As I mentioned, the first one was up the street in Cleveland. You know, John Patterson, his family came along in 1921. So there were 18 others before us that we could learn from. And we would look at what their ideas are. But uh, one of our committee members came up with this idea of 100 gifts. And it fits Dayton so well. So we, th we thought about, could we ask 100 of the folks that uh, are involved with the foundation to do an additive gift? Something, Dan, that they don't normally do. But maybe it's something they always thought about or, geez, wouldn't it be neat to do this? Or I'm really interested in this group, but I've really never been involved with them. Something additive to their normal giving. And um, we, we set about having um, recruiting those folks and asking those folks that they'd be involved. And uh, Dan was an easy ask. I mean, I, I don't even know if anybody turned us down. It was just unbelievable. They said, absolutely. So it's kind of a three legs of the stool approach. They're, they're making a gift in honor of our 100th, but it's not coming to us, right? They're using their fund at the foundation, and they're making a gift to a charity that they care about. So um, it's, it's in honor of the 100th. That's one leg of the stool. It's a story about the donor themselves, and we want people to say, oh, I know so-and-so, or geez, that person lives in my community. And most importantly, Dan, they might say, you know what? I've never thought about that. I, I think I could do that. There is no philanthropy without nonprofits. And Dan, you know, your your work over the years, you see it firsthand. We are so fortunate in Dayton to have such a rich, strong nonprofit network. You know, it doesn't matter the sector, education, animal welfare, um, social services, arts, it just goes on and on. 
there is no philanthropy without that end game of the folks that are actually doing the work, that are making the impact. And so we're, we're excited to tell the story about a hundred of those charities and the good work they do. One thing I have noticed about our millennials and our generation X, Y, and Zers, they want to get involved. They want to help. Do you see that, Michelle, in some of the giving that the, some of the younger adults are taking charge now and, and, and putting their fingerprints on things? Oh, yeah, sure. I think that, um, and that shows a lot of the, um, like we mentioned, the tragedy funds where um, they may you know, financially think how, you know, I may not have a million dollars to give away, but I can draw together a hundred of my friends and we can do this, that, or the other. So they're very willing to dig in, I think, and, um, find ways to raise money. Um, and I think that they do want to do so that's, well, like, in, like the foundation is like a church. If you don't have youth in the pews, your church isn't going to last. Yeah, you, you, you watch this over the long run. And, you know, obviously, for most individuals, the um, further you go along in your life, normally you have more free resources to give, right? But it doesn't mean you don't want to get involved and you don't give when you're younger. That's just not true, right? People do. So I think people adjust as they go through life and as they have more means, they step forward. So at the foundation, what we see is normally two ways that uh, people get involved. You can set up a current fund for whatever your interest might be or donate to a current fund like folks did during the tragedies. Um, but then we have a lot of people that think about, well, what happens when I'm not here? And they may set up what we call a deferred fund, that you get it all set up, you work with Michelle, and you say, you know, I'd really like to plant trees along the river, or I'd really like to send kids to camp that never had the opportunity to do that, or I'd really like to provide uh, arts uh, education opportunities in the schools, whatever, whatever it is. That, you know, there's 4,000 funds over our 100 years, and the purposes of those funds are just as widespread and diverse as, as, as the interests that are behind them. Michelle mentioned, we're not the largest in dollars, and clearly Dayton's not the largest city in the country, but if you said the number of people that are engaged, the number of people that have stepped forward to say, I want to do something, we're second, second in the country, you know, bigger than Chicago, bigger than Los Angeles, bigger than Miami, and I think we should all feel proud about that. As, as I mentioned, I think it's, it's part of who we are. It's part of our DNA, um, and uh, we're just so fortunate to have that level of, of philanthropy and engagement in our community. Michelle, what's been the most gratifying part of your job here at the Dayton Foundation? Um, I'd say personally, it's been, um, I, I just love working with the donors and um, hearing about what they want to do and why they want to do it and getting to know their stories. And, um, you know, it's just, it's, I work with great people. Um, the don't, if someone's giving, they're usually pretty nice. So, <laughs> you know, just uh, it's gratifying just to get to know all the people that are behind um, all the giving and, and just get to get to know um, all the people we work with. So for me, it's probably the most gratifying part's just been the people and getting to be a part of that. Mike, how about you? Oh, absolutely. The same as Michelle. You know, we're sitting here today for, for your listeners. You know, we're, we're filming this at a, the Foundation's new collaborative offices with the University of Dayton and the Dayton Development Coalition on South Main. Um, you know, I'm sitting in a seat today that exactly a week ago today I sat in and listened to a donor the, um, share their story, what they wanted to do, and as they uh, moved on in life, the difference they want to they wanna make. And um, absolutely, that's the the number one thing is that's what we're here for 
Well, as you know, I ask this next question to all my guests, this final question is how do we all make it a greater Dayton? Well, I think you just get out and do, right? So whatever um, you have the capacity to do, whether it's um, go out and volunteer or financially give or just just help, um, whatever it is that you find that you have as your strength or something you're good at, use that for good. Yeah, yesterday uh, evening, I was involved in a conversation and I, I shared a uh, something my mom used to say, Dan. She used to say, just make it a little better. Just make it a little better. And sometimes donors will come in and Michelle can attest that say, well, I just have this little fund I want to do or this little donation. And, um, you know, we quickly uh, point them in the right direction that the strength of a community foundation is not one singular fund or one singular gift. It's the collective impact of 4,000 individuals or uh, that have set up funds or in the case of the, of the tragedy funds, you know, tens of thousands of people that come together and it's the collective impact um, that absolutely makes a difference and so uh, there's a place for everybody at the foundation you know and when I mentioned the marketing committee coming up with the uh, idea of the hundred gifts for the hundredth anniversary you know one of the committee members said you know our objective at the end of the year should be that through these stories everybody in the community that wants to give back can understand there's a place at the table for them at the Dayton Foundation. And uh, that's our hope. I and mean, that's during our 100th anniversary. We hope that if you're not familiar, if you've not been involved with the foundation, um, we would love to chat with you and love to help figure out what the right thing is for you to do. And there absolutely is a place for everybody at the foundation. Michelle, what's the best way to contact you to start that process? So um, our website, if uh, you need additional information, is www.daytonfoundation.org. But you can always reach out directly to me. Uh, my number is 937-225-9948. So would love to talk to you. Well, God bless you both on your mission. And, and thank you and your staff for what you guys do. You're certainly making it a greater day. Thanks so much, Dan. We so appreciate the, all your continued help and support and getting the word out. And you're always so great about that. And um, uh, just thank you for all that you do for Dayton as well. Thank you so much. Mike Parks and Michelle Lovely, thank you so much for making it a greater Dayton. We appreciate your efforts. And we appreciate the sponsorship of Brian West, a great supporter of our community at Park and Go Airport Parking, really the most convenient option for those going to Dayton International Airport to catch a flight just outside the terminal. That location is easy to find, 1140 West National Road, just four minutes from the main gates there by shuttle, providing fast, free, 24-hour shuttle service to the airport. And although the airport's parking lots may seem closer to the terminal than park-and-go lots, well, customers repeatedly say that they receive faster, easier service at park-and-go. I'll never park at the airport again. And you'll end up getting to your check-in and the security gate more efficiently when you utilize the industry's leading services. And a fun fact, they also offer car washes for your ride while you're on holiday, as well as convenient oil changes and full detailing at Park and Go Airport Parking. And we're honored to have Thrush and Son Home Improvement Company as one of our newest sponsors to a greater Dayton. Since 1960, the Thrush family has been supporting the Dayton region, and now they're also doing quality work in Troy, Urbana, Lebanon, Lima, and now Kettering. And since 1960, the Thrush name has 
Well, it's been one of the most trusted names for home improvements in Dayton. They are a GAF President's Club roofing contractor, and most roofing projects can be started within a week and completed within one or two days. So if you want a quality job, see why over 30,000 homeowners have chosen to trust and thrush. And thanks so much for choosing to listen to this podcast. Please like and share if you like what you've heard. I'd certainly appreciate it. I'm Dan Edwards. And now it's time for you to go out and make it a greater date.